I began to think, what would it be like to be there on that first Christmas? You know, what would, what would, what would be like? Number one, it wouldn't be called Christmas. Number two, we wouldn't have to go to JCPenney's and Target and Walmart and all those different places that we go to because that wouldn't be the, uh, the, the push that, that, that's taking place. So I began to, to think, what were the people of that time, what were they thinking about? What, were they, what, were, what was happening with them? You know, they're in their houses. They're doing their thing. A lot of these are devout Jewish people who, who know the Scriptures, believe in the Scriptures. They trust the Scriptures. And I want to look at some of the things that they may have been expecting. Amen? They didn't know when, just like we don't know when he's coming again. But we know he's coming. They knew he was coming. They just didn't know when. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 49. Now, as I was doing a little research, I found out, we're going to, by the way, we're going to take a look at three different prophecies that, that took place in the years before Jesus came because, you know, we're not at the 25th yet, so he's not here yet. So we're, we're going to take this walk with, with a few. Now, there are hundreds of prophecies that I could have pulled out of the Bible. I chose three, okay? I would like to believe, and I'm going to believe, that God chose three. These are the three he wants you to hear about today. Amen? In chapter 49 of Genesis, we, we hear about Jacob's blessing to his sons. Now, it's a fact. You can go back and check this if you want to, but this is the very first conscious prophecy that was spoken by man in the Bible. Now, God had spoken a bunch of prophecies before this, but this is the first time we hear man speaking a, a, a prophecy. You know, of course, the, the first uh, prophecy is when, when God told uh, Adam and Eve that, that the head of the, of the serpent would be crushed. Remember that? That was the first announcement that, that something's coming. But we're going to look at um, chapter 49 of Genesis. And there's, I just want to start at the very beginning because there's something here I want you to grab a hold of. It said, And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Verse 2, Gather together and hear you sons of Jacob. Now, at this time, his name had already been changed. God had already changed his name. Amen? And he changed it to Israel. So he follows that up by saying, And listen to Israel, your father. Gather together and hear you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, you father. I want you to understand that, that, that Jacob was fleshly man, and he represents what we still have in us. We still have fleshly man, fleshly man. If we didn't, we'd be laying in a puddle of mush, okay? But, so we have that. But Israel, made into by God, into spiritual man, amen? So he's saying, y'all gather around and listen to what I have to say to you, and I'm going to give it to you by the Spirit that God gave me. Now, if you go back and read these right here, we're not going to read all of them. But if you read them, some of these guys were not in for a good time. They, they were not, their, their prophecy that was spoken over them was, you messed up, and here's what's coming your way. But I want to look particularly at verse 8 through 12. Judah, this is verse 8, Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him, and as a lion who shall rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Now, let's stop right there for just a minute. 
How many of you, when hearing somebody tell a story, it's, it's a good story. It, it's a it's a story that tells about you've done well or 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 you've done something. How many of you want to hear your name in the midst of that story? We'll get ready. Let me start back at verse ten again, just like it build up to it. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. Woo. And to him shall be the obedience of his people, of the people, binding his donkey to a vine and his donkey's colt to a choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in a blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine. His teeth are whiter than milk. Now, I want to read to you from the Enduring Word Commentary. Spurgeon had this to say about this, this, uh, this prophecy to Judah. In a powerful way, this prophecy over Judah is a description of Judah's greatest descendant, Jesus Christ. The dying patriarch was speaking of his own son, Judah, but while speaking of Judah, he had a very special eye out to our Lord, who sprang from the tribe of Judah. Everything, therefore, which he says of Judah, the type, he means with regard to our greater Judah, the antitype, our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, that was Spurgeon. Now, David Guzik says this, until Shiloh comes, the leadership prophecy, this leadership prophecy took some 640 years to fulfill in part with the reign of David, the first of Judah's dynasty as kings, and the prophecy took some 1,600 years to completely fulfill in Jesus. Jesus is referred to as Shiloh, the name meaning he's who write it, he whose right it is, or to him whom it belongs, and a title anxiously understood, anciently understood to speak of the Messiah. He goes on to say this, from David until the Herods, a prince of Judah was head over Israel, even Daniel in captivity. The promises that Israel would keep this scepter until Shiloh comes, even under their foreign masters during this period. Israel had a limited right to self-rule until 87. Now, guys that come to our Monday night Bible study, let's listen to this next sentence right here because it means we need to revisit something. At that time, until Herod and the Romans, their right to capital punishment, a small but remaining element of their self-governance, was taken away. Hmm. At that time, rabbis considered it a disaster or of unfulfilled scripture. Seemingly, the last vestige of the scepter had passed from Judah, and they did not see the Messiah. Reportedly, rabbis walked the streets of Jerusalem and said, Woe unto us, for the scepter has been taken away from Judah, and Shiloh has not come. Yet God's word had not been broken. Certainly, Jesus Christ was alive then. Just a little information for you to chew on a little bit. Let's, all, let's, let's turn to Numbers. Book of Numbers and chapter 24. Now, many of you may be, may be familiar with, with the accounting that's taking place here, and that is Balak. Let me get this guy's name right. Balak. Balak goes, sends his people to Balaam, the son of, of, of Beor, who is a prophet. Well, that might be taking that word a little far. He has a gift of prophecy, but he's really a pagan diviner. But he can hear from the Lord, and the Lord uses that. And, and so he, he goes there, and, and they, he wants Balaam to, to curse Israel because Israel has, has captured and, and taken people around all this, the Moabite area, and King Balak is, is worried that they're coming after him. So he, he, he calls him out, and he, he goes, I want you to curse the, this, the Israel. So his, he tells the people, I can only do what God tells me. And he gets up there, and God tells him, he's not going to curse him. He blesses him, and he gives him this great blessing. And he goes, well, maybe, maybe it was the place. 
So we're going to go to another place where, where you can, you know, hear differently and hear again. I want you to know this did not make God happy. This is not, but he's, he's already spoken. He said, these are my people. And he goes to him again, God, can I curse him? And God says, you're going to bless him. So he blesses them again. Third time they go out, they do the same thing. And he comes back again and he blesses them again. And then he gives this, this oracle. This is what he says. And, and this is what points to our Christ. Verse 17, 24, verse 17 says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tolmet. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also his enemy shall be a possession, while Israel does valiantly. Out of Jacob, one shall have dominion and destroy the main, the names of the city. So here it is, very subdued, but we're hearing about Jesus. He's speaking of none other than the Messiah when he comes. This is what's going to take place. Now, this is also verified in Micah chapter 5. I want to read that to you. You don't have to turn there. Like, there it is. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratha, but you, Bethlehem, Ephratha, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. It's also Matthew chapter 2 and verse 6. Matthew 2, 6 says this, and he's quoting Micah. He says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So again, we got another prophecy that, that says there, there's a ruler that's coming. There's a ruler that's coming, and he's going to take care of, of all things. Let's look at Psalm, Psalms chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the degree that I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. And now he speaks to the kings. He says, now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you will perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. I love this, this scripture because it's, it's, it's done in the, in the place of the Messiah speaking. It said, the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now, if we go to Acts chapter 4, you don't need to really turn here. If you want to, I'm just going to read you a scripture out of there. Acts chapter 4 and verse 25 and 26. Who by the mouth of your dirt... Day, who by the mouth of your servant David had said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? And the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. This tells us without a shadow of a doubt that David was the writer of Psalm 2, even though we don't see that information anywhere else in the Bible. It does good to, to, to read through and, and find the mysteries. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 5. For which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? So there's no question that what we read in Psalms 2 is written about the Messiah. Amen? I want to look at a, at a scripture that is not yet fulfilled. Are you all up for that? See, these guys all had something to look forward to. 
in these scriptures that we just read. They, 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 they know that there's a, a, a ruling king that's coming. They, they know that, that he is going to uh, sit on the throne forever and ever and ever. But now when we look to Revelation chapter 21, I left out one reference to that last one. It is the seventh. This is uh, Revelation chapter 11. It says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Again, that goes back to Psalm 2. Now, Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1, said, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Mankind needs something to reach for. They need something to reach out, out to. And as we go about our business, and we, we, whether we're a businessman and we're going into an office or we stay home and we work and we contact people by telephone or we, we, we those of us who like to eat, you go to restaurants and you, you, you meet with, with waitresses and, and other people that are in a restaurant that, that a conversation may strike up, they need to know. They need to know just like the people Back in, in the days before Christ, they had so many prophecies, so many prophecies that would come and go and, and, and be brought to them. And, and they would say, yes, there's coming a day. There's coming a day. There is hope in this Messiah. There is hope in this Messiah. Do you know there are people out there today that have no hope? They have no hope. So what can we tell them? What, how can we share with them? the Bible, this, this very message that we're speaking today, we, we, can, we can tell them, did you know back, back in the beginning, you know, you can, you can buy you a little book that tells all the prophecies of Christ, and you can go back through it, and you can say, you know, what, you don't have to tell them the exact thing, but you can just say, you know, back in the beginning, God spoke in the very beginning of things, said there's a Messiah coming, there is a, Jesus, there is a, a king coming, and then he, he went through, and he said it here, 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 and right here's where he came. Right here is where he came. That's why we celebrate this time of year. What a, what a way to bring it up. It's Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. You know why it's Christmas? Just an opportunity to, to share well, your love for this Christ. And they say, well, you know something? I, don't, I see I'm in a lot of pain. I got things going on in my life that are bringing me down every day. I've, I've got problems with the IRS. I got problems with, you know, the jail. I mean, I got, I got these issues going on. I got all this stuff going on. What, can I, what, what do I have to look forward to? I want to read this again. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. See, there's going to come a day 
when we get to stand face to face with the almighty God. Think about that. We're walking on streets of gold. I guess they're shiny. I guess they don't find you. I mean, you look over, and there's Jesus, and there's God, and they're there, and they're welcoming you. But you know something? Let's, let, let's just stop right there and give, some, give them some assurance. You don't have to wait until you get there to interact with this Messiah that he talked about way back here in the beginning, and they named him Emmanuel, God with us. It didn't mean God with us in that time when he was alive on earth. It means God with us from now on. He is with us now. He is with us now. Let me give you testimony of my life where he has touched me, where he has, he has, he has come in and changed me and let me know beyond a shadow of any doubt that he is alive and well and he loves me. Do you know what? Just because he did it for me, he'll do the same thing for you because he loves you. He loves you. No one is out of his reach. You can come to him. He wants you. He loves you. There's place for you. He who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. You know, my life was a wreck one time. It was so messed up. There was no hope anywhere. I, I, I had done so many things. I should have been in prison, but it didn't happen. And, and, and as I went on, and finally I met this Jesus. And when I met him, he received me as I was, but he didn't leave me that way. He changed me and made me new. He made me into a new creation. And now I dwell with him every moment of every day. You can have this. This is for you. He says right here, it is done. He's done everything that he needs to do to make righteousness come your way. I will give freely. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Are you thirsty? And he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You have opportunity today to say, you know something? I want to make a change. My life has been hell up till now, and I'm tired of it. I don't want it to be like that from now on. I want to give in. I want to say right now, Jesus, will you come and, and live in my heart? I believe. I believe. I've, I've, seen, the, the, I've, I've seen evidence in you. I've seen evidence in you. And, and because of that, it's drawing me. It's drawing me. I believe. Guys, we have opportunity. We have opportunity. It's not hard. It's not hard. Tell somebody your testimony. Tell them, tell them what God has done for you. Tell them, yeah, I was at church today, and this lady came in there with crutches. She was all gimpy looking. And, you know, and she threw them things down after Jesus touched her body, and she started walking around, and she didn't want to stop. There was another man a, few, a year back or so who was in a wheelchair, and he's in a church service. And, and they said, come on up to the front if you want prayer. And he rolls his wheelchair up to the front. And when he gets there, he stops. And the guy says, what are you doing? He goes, I want prayer. He goes, God healed you. And he goes, did he? And he goes, yep, get up. And he picked the man up out of the wheelchair. And the guy go goes back and he calls his home church. And he goes, hey, I'm walking around in the parking lot. I don't want to get, I don't want to stop. I'm afraid I'll lose it if I stop. I don't want to stop. That man is still walking today. We got testimony. Just because, just because it didn't happen to you don't mean you can't use that testimony. Amen? Hope. There's people out there this Christmas season that is looking for hope. God gave me a word this morning. He said, January is coming. And I took that to mean January is coming, because that's what he said. All right? But, but what I took that to mean was there's a newness. There's a newness that's going to be unveiled, that's being unveiled. Get ready. Get ready. 
You know, we, we typically look at, at December as, as a time to celebrate Christmas and give gifts and all this other stuff. Out there. But, but we look at it as an as a, as a ending. It's, it's the end of the year. It's the end of things. It's the end of the tax years, the end of all this other stuff. But Jesus says, no, 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 this is the beginning. This is the beginning. There is something huge brewing. Can I tell you what that something huge is? That something huge is that person that you're going to share Christ with, and he's going to say yes. He's going to say, I want that. She's going to say, I want that. The child is going to say, I need that. I want that. That's huge. There is nothing greater that could happen. I am so happy that God healed your leg today. But you know something? If somebody would have got saved instead, that would have been a bigger thing. Amen? Guys, you know, sometimes when we're worshiping and everything, I, I, I jokingly sort of say, are you guys alive? And you always say, yeah. So now let me tell you why you're alive. You're alive to share Christ. There's no other reason. No other reason to be alive. And if we have that on the forefront of our minds, all the stuff that bothers us and worries us and that driver is going too slow and, and, and all that other I'm that guy, by the way. But all, the, all, those, all that thing that bothers you, it won't matter anymore. It won't matter anymore. It's just another opportunity to pray, another opportunity to lift somebody up, another opportunity to seek somebody out and say, that person doesn't look happy. Let me go, let me go happy on them. Come here. Guys, we got opportunity. Let's take it. Amen.